Greetings, this is Laura Hoffmans, Head of Marketing here at Diamond Hill, and this is Understanding Edge. Today I'm joined in the podcast by Tim Myers to discuss his most recent written piece titled Milking Value from the Plant-Based Dairy Industry, which is available now at www.diamond-hill.com. Tim is a research analyst at Diamond Hill, covering consumer goods, and is a graduate of Miami University in Oxford, Ohio. As always, stay safe and stay healthy, and I hope you enjoy my conversation with Tim Myers. Hi, Tim. Thank you for joining me today. Um, today, we're going to be discussing a fairly controversial area of the consumer goods sector, uh, fast-growing plant-based foods and beverages. Um, this is not your grandmother's tofurkey, and that is a terrible joke that I am leaving in. Um, but first off, um, Tim, if you could tell us a little bit about your path to becoming a research analyst and what you find interesting and challenging about doing analysis in the consumer goods sector. Yes, uh, thank you, Laura, for having me on. Very excited to talk about this interesting topic. I got the investing bug my junior year of high school. I read The Intelligent Investor when I was laid up for a sports injury and um, just caught the bug. And you know, really read everything I could get my hands on. And when I got to college, you know, really tried to broaden out like a group of mentors. And one of the mentors, my junior year of college came back and said, you ought to check out this place called Diamond Hill in Columbus. So when my internship ended that year, uh, during the summer, I, I emailed um, someone at Diamond Hill. One thing led to another. I got the job and started on the consumer team that, uh, that June. So I've been here now six years covering consumer uh, consumer goods broadly um, for us here at Diamond Hill. And, and truthfully, you know, I I think consumers just I'm a little biased, but I'm, I'm very uh, just very much in love with studying the consumer. I'm obsessed with the consumer. It's really, you know, my North Star um, understanding what drives consumption, what changes consumer consumption patterns. And I, I think it just makes consumer business is so interesting to study because um, you have some that have been around for 100, 150 years, uh, the PNGs of the world. And then you have, you know, newer businesses like a Beyond Meat um, that, you know, are, are newer takes on, you know, consumers' uh, tastes and um, what they're looking for. So I, I really just find the space fascinating. Uh, but, the, but that love for consumers, it's what makes them so interesting and challenging to look at. Well, speaking of patterns and emerging patterns, mm. it does seem like the plant-based category has seen big gains in popularity and massive growth. Can you tell us a little bit about the state of this area and what you believe is driving that growth? Yeah, it's very interesting. You know, consumers, you know, I talked about this in a, a previous blog and podcast I did on the future of consumers, but, you know, particularly younger consumers, they're just they're becoming increasingly focused on health and, and wellness and you know, more discerning about the product labels and ingredients that they're putting in their bodies and putting in their pantries. And you know, also the environmental and societal impacts that brands um, have. And you know, consequently, the CPG industry as a whole has a you know, unique opportunity to kind of fill a gap for consumers, you know, minimize the search for consumers which is what consumer companies should do best. Uh, you know, many of the products and brands that are on the shelf today, 
you know, they, they fall short of some of the expectations of consumers. And, you know, the, the consumption patterns that we have, um, they have consequences. And the plant-based movement really, to me, is an opportunity, an attempt to solve for some of these, these consequences um, that, that consumers are looking to kind of uh, to fill. Um, to give consumers answers to some of the questions they have. And, you know, the plant-based industry, you know, it's been around for some time, but it, it's really grown uh, into now about seven and a half, seven, yeah, around seven and a half billion dollar category with, you know, very solid, you know, 60-ish percent household penetration uh, with, you know, repeat rates approaching 80%. Um, so you're looking at a category that, you know, has really taken hold across the pantries of the American consumer. Uh, and that looks like it's much more than a fad. Uh, and that, you know, it's very interesting to study. And I'm sure we'll talk more about it, but it's one of the most fascinating aspects of the consumer goods space right now, in my opinion. Yeah. So let's delve into um, a more specific area and we can start with plant milk. Mm -hmm. So it seems like not that long ago, your option at your local coffee shop was 2% or whole, um, maybe some soy milk. And now we have seen a, a wide array of options, almond, hemp, oat, coconut, banana milk is a thing now, evidently. Um, get us up to speed on the explosion in this area and again, that widespread adoption. Yeah, and, and milk's interesting. It's the largest portion of that seven and a half billion of, of plant revenue um, in the U.S. retail sales. And, but it, it's still just a sliver of the total dairy category, uh, dairy milk category, which is about just under 20 billion to 17, $18 billion category in the U.S. So a fairly large category. And, you know, dairy has been, it's been under pressure. It's no, no surprise to most people that their dairy intake in terms of how many glasses of milk they're drinking in a week has gone down. Uh, pretty steadily. And a, a big driver of that is, uh, you know, just more awareness around lactose intolerance and understanding what that means for people and how, you know, with age, it appears that people can become more lactose intolerant. Uh, and it also, um, you know, certain ethnic minority groups having um, just more of an issue with lactose, higher prevalence of lactose intolerance versus Caucasian groups. So, I mean, you know, in consumer, you study a lot of, you know, demographic tailwinds or headwinds. And when you look out at the evolution of our, our, our demographic situation here in the U.S., we're getting older, we're getting more ethnically diverse. Uh, so lactose intolerance is, it's an issue that's only growing in importance. And having a solution to that, you know, having, like you said, the a million options that you can get at your Starbucks now of plant milks. Um, you know, it's a solution to that issue, which is you know really just led to an explosion in growth in, in plant milks. Let's shift now to a newer addition in the plant-based category, which you alluded to earlier, which is plant-based meat. When we talk about this, we're not necessarily talking about tofu or tempeh, but newer products that are meant to look, feel, and taste like beef, pork, or chicken. How have these products been faring? Yeah, the, the plant meat's interesting because it's been around for quite some time. You know, people have been eating veggie burgers or bean burgers or tofu burgers for, you know, decades. Um, where it's really exploded into the spotlight in the last, you know, few years has been this, this kind of trend towards 
lab-grown imitation meat, um, you know, popular brands that everyone knows and, um, you know, can recognize as Beyond Meat and Impossible Burger, um, you know, and they're branded as, you know, an environmentally friendly alternative um, to meat without, you know, the sacrifice of like a taste or texture that, you know, you'd be giving up with your tofu burger or bean burger. Um, I mean, they taste, they look, they grill like a real burger. Um, and it's fairly impressive. You know, I think, you know, what's interesting about plant meat also is that, you know, it, it's in this category of, of meat, which is about 15 times larger than the dairy category in the U.S., the, the, the dairy milk category in the U.S. So it's a, it's a large, large category. It takes up particularly in America, you know, it's a large portion of our plate. When you look at your dinner plate, um, meat tends to run pretty heavy on restaurants, menus to at-home menus. Uh, but I, I think what's interesting about plant meat and what I think the jury's still out on is just what the true healthiness of these like imitation meats are. Um, and I think that's created some confusion for consumers. And, and therefore, you know, what we've seen is just a, a slowdown in, in growth in plant meat categories. And I mean, it, you know, the one thing with plant meat, um, and this kind of goes back to some of the trends that we talked about earlier, uh, health, wellness, clean ingredient labels, you know, plant meat, it's, it's processed. It has a long list of ingredients that a lot of people don't know what they are or what they mean. And that it kind of flies in the face of some of the other trends of clean labels, and, you know, things you can understand with four or five ingredients. Um, so I, I think that's just confused the consumer a little bit in, you know, in regard to what plant meat is right now in the U.S. So coming at this from an investor angle mm -hmm. and your work as an analyst, how do you think about these two plant-based categories? While they're often grouped together, I think that plant meat and plant beverages or plant dairy are very much separate categories. You know, it's, it's very common in the analyst community to look at the success of plant dairy and say, you know, it's a two and a half billion dollar category. Dairy milk is a $17 billion category. You got a 15% market penetration and then look at the meat category in the U.S. It's 15 times larger, and you got a $250 billion category. And oh my gosh, we can get to 15 to 20 percent. That's a $40 billion revenue pool, a massive revenue pool. But I, I, I think that this is the, the wrong way to look at this cat categories because I think they're very, very much two separate occasions, and oftentimes separate consumers um, that are purchasing plant milk and plant uh, meat. You know, whereas you know, plant milk, it's unique in that it solves an important pain point for consumers, you know, consumers who have a lactose intolerance, um, whereas, you know, a plant meat, it, it's better for the environment, um, but it doesn't really serve a pain point for consumers apart from that. Um, you know, and I think until plant meat can figure out a way to, you know, one, clean up the ingredient label a little bit and make it a little more palatable for the you know, average consumer, I think we'll continue to see a divergence and growth between the two categories. Um, you know, I think consumers right now are a little bit confused as to what, you know, lab meat or imitation meat um, really is and what it, what it does for them, apart from just being a, 
a more um, realistic, environmentally friendly take on the 80-20, you know, burger patty. Um, so are there any specific companies you think stand to benefit from what seems like a, a long-term evolution and uh, appear to be attractively valued right now? Yeah, there, there's one that we own. Um, it's a smaller cap name. It's called Sunopta, and it's the largest company in plant-based milk that you've never heard of. Uh, they are what in the industry we would call um, basically a co-manufacturer. So they create the product um, for you know either the brand or the store, the Kroger, the private label brand, store brand, um, or for you know like a Starbucks, like a food service. So they're they're completely agnostic to where the product goes, what channel it's sold in, um, whether you drink it at home or you get it in a latte um, out at your favorite coffee shop. Um, but they manufacture all different types of plant milk from, you know, hemp, almond, soy, coconut, and oat, which is the most popular right now. Um, and they're very much competitively positioned in the U.S. right now is the only manufacturer in the plant milk category that has a national distribution manufacturing footprint. So they have three plants and one under construction right now in Texas that creates somewhat of a diamond around the US and you know with liquids they're very expensive to ship so they you know with this distribution advantage they're the low cost producer uh, in the industry which you know is very much advantageous to their partners um, and you know Sunopt is really kind of like the picks and shovels of the plant milk industry you know they're they're agnostic to where you drank it what brand you drank what um, you know if you're buying private label or you're buying, you know, Planet Oat branded or um, drinking it at Starbucks, um, you know, so it's a very interesting company and a very, you know, what we think ideal way to get exposure to this exciting, fast growing category in consumer goods. Well, this has been uh, definitely an illuminating discussion about a consumer good category we are all running into with increasing regularity. Um, this also highlights, as you point out, the need to do a deeper analysis in, into a, an industry to understand the distinct drivers for differing areas. So um, again, Tim, thank you so much for joining us today. Thank you, Laura. Listeners can get access to Tim's other written pieces, as well as his prior appearances on Understanding Edge at our website, www.diamond-hill.com. Tim, thanks again, as always, for joining me. We hope you'll join us again soon.